If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! I was 14 when I had my son, and I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing about having kids. Welcome once again to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and that was Ziamara Piccarelli Hernandez. She's a medical assistant at the Nemours Primary Care Office in Sanford, Florida. Her story, though, begins in the Bronx, the New York City borough that is home to her favorite Major League Baseball team and mine, the New York Yankees. It was there at age 14 when she became a mom, a child with a baby, and a sick baby at that. When he was born with um, a lot of health issues that I didn't understand, he was asthmatic, he was a hemophiliac, um, and he used to get seizures. So I didn't know what was going on with my kid, and I did a lot of reading, and I just picked up from there. That's what I wanted to do when I finished high school. In other words, Ziamara persevered. Though she knew nothing about raising children, she learned, quickly, by being curious, by reading, by striving to understand what she was being told by healthcare providers about her son's conditions, and by continuing to attend public high school. I went to a school where I would take my son with me. It was specifically built in New York for teenage moms. So I would take my son with me to school, and I would have to end up leaving a lot of times early because he was getting sick, and nobody understood him. And it sparked in her a desire to help others who might find themselves young, scared, and vulnerable as they faced a health care crisis. First, I wanted people to understand that it's okay, it's fine, like, this is what it is, this is what happens, it's not something... People hear sickness, illness, and they get scared, like it's contagious, they're going to get it, and it's not, not always that way. So I wanted to get into the field so that I could help those that don't understand. I could learn so I could teach them in the vocabulary that they would understand. So I wanted better. Although I did fall into the stereotypical thing, teenage mom, how they won't be anything. But I didn't have another kid till I was 30. I learned my lesson. I had one. I got, I was dedicated. I took care of my son. I worked on the books, off the books. I did everything I had to do to take care of my son. Including earning a GED becoming a medical assistant, and completing the coursework to become an LPN. Patience and perseverance. Patience is a virtue. You just have to wait. It's, if it's meant for you, it's for you. And, and it's, that's it. it. It's for you. It's going to happen. You try to rush them, then it doesn't turn out the way you want it to or the way it was meant to be. So you just got to chill. <laughs> got to chill. And you've, had, you've overcome a lot of obstacles. How, how have you kept that positive attitude? Um, my stepdad... Is a big, fantastic person who's been great to me. Um, so I always turn to him. Oh, and he's still in your life, still somebody to turn to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very sick now, but yeah. You've seen a lot of sickness in your life, and still you come you come to work and you see these kids. What's it like to come to work at Nemours each and every day? 
I love what I do for a living, which is why I've done it for so long. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I love kids. Kids are great. Kids are honest. Kids are funny. Kids just speak from the heart, which adults really don't do. What gives you the passion? Where does that passion come from? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. Because when I was younger, younger, I hated kids up until I was like 10. I said, I'm never having kids. They're always crying. They're pain. I, I I don't know. I guess when I had my own kid, it was different. That maternal switch went on, and it's maternal for everyone. I'm like everybody's mom. I'm a protector. I protect everybody. Tell me about the team you work with. Work with Dr. Wong and Dr. Munoz. This is a small office. You only have six exam rooms. There's two front desk girls and then me and another MA. So it's a smaller office and we all get along great. We're all Hispanic except for one of the girls up front. So we joke around. Uh, most of us are from New York as well. So the bluntness rolls around. All this honesty is always around. We're loud because we're all Hispanic. So I think we get along great. We work great. If we do something wrong, we can come to each other and tell each other, hey, don't do that. That's wrong. You know, you did this wrong. And we, we respect each other, which is what you need. We all have good days and bad days. And when one's having a bad day, so I pick up a little extra slack. If I'm having a bad day, my coworker will pick up the extra slack. Like we, we have each other's back because we are like a little family. You know, and that's what it is. You just have to have each other's back and make it through. You're going to work a little bit today, but I got you tomorrow kind of thing. It's like a partnership. We don't have to love each other for sure. 110%. We don't have to love each other, but we definitely have to just respect each other and be able to, to, to work together. That's it. Because we're not here for each other. We're here for our patients. That's it. Ziamara Piccarelli-Hernandez is a medical assistant in the Sanford office of Nemours Primary Care. Her son, by the way, is now 26 years old and doing quite well. Dr. Manisha Bansal is a hematologist-oncologist based in Jacksonville. You may recognize her. She was one of the driving forces behind the recent White Coats for Black Lives event across the Nemours Enterprise and a leader in raising awareness about and finding solutions for racial and cultural disparities in health care. For Dr. Bansal, the idea of health equity is a given and accepted concept driven home to medical students early in their training. There, there can be no difference in care, regardless of a patient's background. And that goes beyond race. That goes to culture, that goes to gender, sexual orientation, etc. Um, we need to do right by all of those patients. And I think all of us who go into medicine accept that. You know, we, we um, accepted that responsibility when we were in medical school. A point highlighted by the patient population she works with on a daily basis. I take care of patients with sickle cell disease. And so you know, it's a genetic disorder that does primarily affect African-Americans. And so the bulk of that clinic are African-Americans. And so I get to see specifically what they go through. And I can't even imagine, you know, I'm seeing a little snippet. I'm seeing them in clinic just for a very, very brief time. But in that brief time, I'm able to gather a little bit of the barriers that they're facing in terms of being able to comply with the healthcare, you know, needs. And I've started in my career taking a little bit more time to just sit with them and understand, like, you know, why couldn't you come for your labs? Why couldn't you make it for this ultrasound appointment? What were the reasons? So it's very easy to say, well, they're just non-compliant. They don't show up for anything. 
but that's not true. I mean, there's, there's always a story behind it. And I think taking the time to understand that story and I keep telling the families now, you know, it may seem silly to you, your barriers and why you can't um, do the tests and the, you know, the consults that we request. But if you just explain to us why we can come up with pretty creative solutions on how to work around it. And I think that's the part that takes a lot of time and effort, but really does go far because I don't think anyone wants to neglect their healthcare. The issue is when the cards are stacked against you, it makes it nearly impossible to comply with the healthcare needs. I will be the first to say, I can't even imagine what it is to be an African-American with you know all the stories that I've been hearing over the past few weeks in terms of what sort of societal norms and um, disparities there are. If you aren't in their shoes, you can't truly appreciate it. But from the outside looking in, I do see that there are a, a lot of challenges. Sometimes they can be socioeconomic. Um, something as simple as not having uh, reliable transportation. Um, and I'm not saying that's particularly a, a racial issue. It could be any race, any any sort of situation. So I kind of look at it as, you know, some of these barriers, I see them in my sickle cell patients, but I could see them in any patient. And so the point is, if we as a society can help them to overcome those barriers, then, you know, maybe we have a chance. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in sickle cell care, and I don't know, if, I don't think this is necessarily a race issue, but maybe it is, is that you know, I pat ourselves on the back for actually pretty doing a pretty darn good job of taking care of kids with sickle cell disease. I think we've really kind of got our act together, and that's across the nation, in terms of making sure they're doing all their tests on time, and we're catching things early and putting them on preventive medicines. But my biggest issue right now is transition of care because getting these kids in with good adult doctors is very difficult. The health insurance system kind of falls apart because, you know, when they're kids, they can have Medicaid and and we have some good access to financial support. But then when they go out there, they're feeling, feeling other societal stressors. Um, You know, they're trying to um, make an income and and take care of their families, but then they have poor access to healthcare. And if you look at the mortality in sickle cell disease, the highest um, rate of mortality is there's a a good group of people who die in their early 20s. And so it's like they got good healthcare up to the age of 18 to 20. And then when we flipped them over to the adult side, all of a sudden you're seeing the mortality go up and that's across the nation. And one of the things that I notice on the adult side is hearing these um, sort of um, terms like drug seeking and, um, you know, well, if, you know, in adult care, you know, if they don't come to their appointments and we're not going to, you know, call them and chase them down to come to their appointments. And so, you know, it, it just is like a completely different world. And so that's something that is kind of top on my priority list in terms of what I can do for my patients to kind of make it easier. And again, I don't know if that's necessarily a racial issue or um, or anything like that, but I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it needs to be fixed. So I'm like, I don't really care what it's labeled as, as long as it gets better. So I just need to, you know, work on that and figure out how to make the system a little bit more user friendly for the kids that I'm transitioning into the adult world. And none of us has all the answers. To exactly. <laughs> but uh, we got to start somewhere. And I think that's the thing is sometimes these things seem really daunting. So it's really hard to know where to start. And I think the problem is, you can't have high expectations when you begin, but you got to start somewhere and maybe it will lead to some real change. Um, so I don't even, I couldn't even begin to uh, understand what they're going through. 
in some ways, it, it goes to, back to the behavior of leveraging separate realities. Exactly, exactly. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes I feel that um, is going on during this time when people are speaking out against racial injustice and equality is I feel like there's a group of people who just jump and say that's not true and get very defensive. And I'm like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with listening. And it may be painful to listen to their stories because you know, they don't necessarily paint others in a good light. But until you listen and understand, how are we going to make it different? How are we going to make it better for anybody? So this isn't a time for egos. This isn't a time for, you know, that's not me, or that couldn't have been their experience. It, it just needs to be a time of listening and not being judgmental on either side, just listening. Listening to start. But what comes next? I think what the first step is, is trying to find people who are interested um, and try to come up with maybe some interest groups. And I like to recruit some of my patients and um, some colleagues who have different perspectives. And again, I, I think this needs to be an effort, not primarily looking at race. That's the top, absolute top priority right now. But I also want to take advantage of the opportunity to also look at some of the other you know, inequalities that might be going on in healthcare. And we have to prioritize, but I think it's just time to have a conversation. And I think that we need to start with the low-lying fruits. I mean, there's no way we're going to change everything in one fell swoop. But I think there are things that we can do, you know, very quickly to kind of make sure that we're including and we're, um, uh, you know, acknowledging um, all the different backgrounds. And and again, it, it's not just about our patients; it's about our staff. It's about everyone feeling included. And if there is any. Um, sort of uh, uh, disparity going on, even in our workforce, that needs to be fixed as well. I don't think there is, but, you know, again, I can't presume this is the time to have the conversation. Dr. Manisha Bansal is a hematologist-oncologist with the Nemours Specialty Care Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. In 2012, TLC Pediatrics of Orlando joined the Children's Health Alliance, Nemours Pediatric Primary Care Network, Along with that association came the woman who is now the office supervisor for TLC Pediatrics in Longwood, Shirley Porras. Shirley started her career with TLC 15 years ago as a medical assistant. When she embarked on her career to become a medical assistant, she wanted simply the opportunity for work-life balance. Little did she know then that it was a career she grow to love. At the beginning, uh, to tell you the truth, I just wanted something so I could be home working from eight to five and be with my family Saturday and Sunday. So I took the uh, MA course back uh, years ago and I didn't realize that I was actually going to like it. And um, being in a pediatric field, it's been a blessing. I really love working with kids and uh, helping families. I did work for cardiology about a, for about a year so it's quite a difference uh, working for adults and pediatrics. So I definitely love working with kids. Talk about that difference a little bit. What's different with the kids than working with the adult patients? Uh, with the adult patients, uh, you kind of had to be on a more serious kind of mindset with them. Uh, even though you do help them a lot, uh, being with kids is you can play around, you can joke with the kids, uh, look at the smile that the kids have, the brightness in their eyes. You know, just by giving out a sticker, they giggle, they laugh, and they make you make your day be worth it that you're working with pediatrics. Talk about your team. Who are they? Who who sits around you there at the uh, the office? 
At the office, uh, currently right now, I sit at the front desk with my coworkers. I have Leslie, I have Stephanie, and I have Alex that uh, are with me around uh, the front desk. And in the back, we have uh, other MAs that I, I interact with as well. Speaking of your, your coworkers, your fellow associates, is there one who stands out in your mind as somebody who has really gone over and above in the area of discretionary effort that you'd like to, to call out and recognize? I think the person that goes above by me young is Stephanie Carmona. She works with me uh, at the front desk and she always goes above and beyond to help anybody, whether it's the back, the front, anywhere. She She's willing to go that extra step. So take me back to the beginning of 2020. What was a typical day like for you in January of this year? We usually have our walking hours from eight to nine every day in the morning. So you'll see patients coming in starting at eight, uh, starting with a busy day all every day. So it, it's, it's, we a busy practice. Uh, well, now with uh, the pandemic going on, things had changed a little bit, but uh, in January we, 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 we were busy starting at eight o'clock. And how has the pandemic changed that? Uh, talk about that change. It's uh it's, it's only been about six months since we heard that COVID was shutting things down, but changes have been, uh, been afoot, and I'm guessing that it's affected the way you do your job and you and your fellow associates do it. So talk a little bit about that. It's been a little rough. Changes, uh, sometimes we have to change protocols weekly, daily, so it's been challenging for everybody, but everybody has worked together. Uh, we're not seeing as many patients as we used to before, but... Uh, I guess it has shown us to be more patient and more tolerant to, to uh, towards everybody. It's a stressful time, but we, we are working through together as a team. How is it going with masking? I know that one of the, the perks of working in the pediatric world is seeing the smile on a child's face. And with a mask on, you can't really see that smile. How is that going over? It is. It is true. It is difficult, but uh, you can see the giggles through the eyes. You can uh, read their smiles through the eyes, to the way they squint their eyes, their brightness of the eyes. So we, you can still interact with them and and have a good kind of uh, relationship with the kids. And the hugs have gone away too, haven't they? Oh yeah, no hugs, no hugs. Just hi, bye, <laughs> waving. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, we just have to adjust. It's uh, it's totally different times. I believe that you still interact with them. Are you still able to play with them and have a good experience when they come to the practice uh, is whether you give a sticker, whether you say, hi, how are you? You know, I like your mask. Uh, you have a superhero mask. You look so cute and things like that. So you still have uh, some other things that you can uh, talk about and make them have a good time. Are you engaged with the work in general? And how do you feel connected to the mission overall of keeping kids healthy? I feel like I'm engaged. I, I'm always looking forward to coming to work and help uh, everybody wherever is needed. So I do feel like I, I am engaged when I come to work. I like to do give my best to the parents, to my coworkers, to everybody. You sound like you're very pleased with your job, very happy, actually, in your, I am. In your career. I am. I, I, I've been very blessed. I'm still blessed and we all, that we have a job, so I'm, I am happy. <laughs> How does that feel? I mean, I know that Dr. Moss came out with the statement that no one would be laid off as a result of the pandemic. How did you interpret that and how did you feel about it when you heard? I was very thankful. I was very thankful because uh, I knew a lot of people that was uh, being laid off and um, 
uh, with no job. So I was actually very thankful that uh, our jobs were secure and, and we would still have a job. Yeah. So it was, it was very, very thoughtful. It was very, it touched my heart. <laughs> Shirley Porras is a medical assistant and the office supervisor for TLC Pediatrics in Orlando. And there you have it, another edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. My gratitude to Shirley Porras, Dr. Manisha Bansal, and Ziamora Piccarelli Hernandez for joining me in conversation. And you have the very same opportunity to share your Nemours stories with your fellow associates right here on this very podcast. Simply email podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. You may also use that address to nominate a fellow associate to be part of the podcast as well. Thanks to our production team, Peter Adebi and Deborah Griffin, for their assistance. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Fall River, Massachusetts, and you may subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, Apple Play, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio.com, and so many others. Or simply tell your smart speaker to play the Champions for Children podcast. Before we go, though, let's hear some words of wisdom from one of your fellow associates. This time, Ziamara. Piccarelli Hernandez. Well, little girls think that when they have a kid, like that's it, like that's the end of the world, I'm going to be nothing. And that's not true. So I have teenagers come here all the time too. And they're like, you have a 25-year-old son? I'm like, girl, of course. And you became a nurse, girl, yeah. You got to want it. You got to want it. No doubt. I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. As always, stay well, stay safe, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve.